Conversations with Dwyer. I'm Matt Dwyer. This is a music podcast, and speaking of music, that song that played me in is titled The Blue Still Blossoms. It is by James Brandon Lewis, and it is from the album Eye of Eye, which is out February 3rd, 2022, on Anti Records. I think that's, I, I, it says February 21st, but that's not possible in my notes. That is next to fucking impossible. Anyway, the album comes out February 3rd. It is an incredible album. Please do yourself a favor and check it out and check out all of James Brandon Lewis's music. The links to everything is in the show notes, his website. You could use that as a jumping off point. Go to his band camp, which is also linked in the title of the album and song. Uh, I heard him and was just blown away. He's an incredible musician. I've, I honestly, I asked him to do the podcast and I didn't expect to even hear anything because I was like, I don't know, because sometimes I, I get that way. <laughs> Clearly, my mental issues. But I was, he immediately wrote me back. He immediately said yes. And I was honored. It's a great episode. Very, I just, uh, I won't lie, man. He's an intelligent dude. And I sometimes I felt like I was treading water. But uh, a very gracious and, sweet man. So I'm honored that I had the opportunity to talk to him. And I feel like, you know, uh, he's already a giant. And I feel like one day people will look at my podcast and go, you had him on your podcast? Because uh, it's, you know, Sonny Rollins loves this man. So, you know, if Sonny Rollins digs man, that's that's some, that's some heavy weight. Um, real quick, I want to plug out something else I've done. I curated and produced an album with Sub Pop and filmmaker Adam McKay called The Eleventh Hour, Songs for Climate Justice. It's 20 songs, then, and the entire proceeds go to the Climate Emergency Fund. Uh, it's an incredible album. There's 20 bands on there, like I said. Some, like, uh, Fake Fruit, Death Valley Girls, Moby, Mud Honey, Cloud Nothings, Mamalarkey, all, a lot of which have been on my podcast. So please uh, purchase that. All proceeds go to the Climate Emergency Fund. They give all the money to activists who are fighting for climate justice in this world, which, frankly, we need. Things are getting hairy. If you if you follow it as closely as I do, it's uh, I, I I won't lie. I worry about my my children's future. Uh, I worry about my future and your future, and I'm a, doing what I can. Trying my best. Uh, also, if you need... Uh, oh, by the way, uh, if you go to themattdwire.com, if you're a first-time listener to this podcast, all the things I mentioned are jump, are there. Uh, I also have a Patreon, $5 a month. You could become a Patreon subscriber. I often have part twos to the episode. Unfortunately, this episode doesn't have a part two. But you can go and uh, listen to part two. This early released episodes come out early on the webs, uh, on the Patreon so there's a lot of benefits, and it helps, you know, support the show. It makes me my tummy feel warm when you become a Patreon subscriber. Don't you want to make me have a warm tummy? 
So please become a Patreon subscriber. That means a lot to me. And that's it. Please check out the show notes. All links that you need for James Brandon Lewis and everything else in the world are in the show notes. Thank you very much for listening to this podcast and uh, listen to the great James Brandon Lewis talk to simpleton Matt Dwyer. songs that have been released for the upcoming album are incredible and i'm just oh thank you so much i've been repeatedly astounded by the work that you do oh thank you thank you i'm, I'm i try <laughs> <laughs> yeah it, i i would i would assume beyond trying there's years of uh work and dedication as well just gonna take a wild guess there yeah, for sure. You know, it's funny though because I think that um I mean, I don't know, music is music itself is is always enjoyable. I think there are certain things that you know, just the day-to-day grind, the instrument itself is unforgiving. You know, you have to be dedicated to you can't take any days off. Um, not really. Um, some days I touch my saxophone. It feels like I haven't played in years. Um, I don't know. Maybe that's a psychological thing, but, uh, <laughs> yeah, I was curious about that. That's but, I, like, I wonder if it is psychological or is there like a shift in your playing, like, like a growth? You know, I don't know if that makes sense, but I felt like it might be a growth or maybe I'm just more in tune with the particulars of my instrument the way I should sound the sound that I'm developing um but I think I don't know it's 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 like it's it's like a day-to-day fight with the instrument itself even if you get to a certain level or whatever level people think you're at I don't know I my default setting is zero always the horns on the horns on zero you know I think that I think that keeps me pretty level, but, um, I don't know. I'm just thankful. I just try to get the workout. I think it's most important to get the workout. It's not <clears throat> time on this planet is limited. So we might as well, I might as well get, get some stuff done while I'm here. Yeah. When you say there's a fight with the instrument, would you also say there's, could you equate that to also like with an internal struggle, like a, a internal searching or am I, am I reaching too hard? (laughs) No, I think it's, I think it's a little bit of both. I think that the mechanism itself, it's like there are days when I play and and everything feels fluid and in sync and my mind is there. My instrument feels like it should. Um, And then there are days, you know, it's like, it's a never ending search. I think that's what we're always, or at least that's what I'm always searching for. Like I'm on the bandstand or I'm making an album. It's those moments where you're like, tonight was a good night, but tonight was a good night because the stars aligned 
and everything, you know, you hit that right note or, and not, not right in the sense of kind of, kind of like this academic vibe, but right in the sense that it, it, your soul was connected to it, your being, your feeling, you know, this kind of vibe. So I think, it, yeah, I also think, I think, I also just think it's, it's just a never ending search. Like, I, you know, I think sometimes when I play, it's like, I have these ideas and theoretically the ideas work, but I can't, I can't execute them just yet. So, so then every day it's just, it's a climbing of a mountain, you know, sounds good. I'm still pushing and pushing and pushing, but I get close. I'm not there yet. Have you, have you heard players who you think are there or that, or do you think those players, like say like, was Coltrane always still searching? Was, were all these greats always searching as well? If they- yeah, I don't know if, I don't know if any of them, I mean, I didn't know these people personally, but, um, and I've had the, the privilege, the great privilege and, uh, to talk to Sonny Rollins a couple times. He, he, he never wanted to talk about himself. Um, I, th- I just think you're always searching. I mean, th- there is no there. I don't know if to us, you know, as people learning, people that admire these greats, they sound like they're there, but I don't know if they thought they were there. Yeah. You know, you know, like, You know, as a kid, I remember, I remember the first time I heard like a Charlie Parker or or Grover Washington Jr. from my hometown, Buffalo, New York. Um, I remember thinking to myself, wow, like these people are masters of their instruments. They are there. But then the older I get and on my journey, I don't feel as though I'm there. And I don't, I don't feel as though I don't operate in the comparative in the sense that, you know, those individuals are who they are. So it's more of a struggle of unpacking who I am as a person rather than comparing skill sets because my body, my mind is different than their mind. The shape of my oral cavity is different than each one of those individuals. Charlie Parker, uh, Sonny Rollins, John Coltrane, so on and so forth. So I think it's just... How much am I willing to peel back the onion without going completely crazy? (laughs) (laughs) Do you ever like, because I feel like for the the people in the world who don't understand that experience, like, you you know, it's, it's like a crazy concept. I think a lot of people go, huh? Unless you've like created and thrown yourself out there and improvised. Right. But do you like when you sometimes get out of those moments, say if it's one of those nights that it's magic and you're in that space, do you have realizations about yourself as an individual? Does there, is there like epiphanies that, or is it all like musical epiphany? I don't know if that's. Well, well, you know what? I think that um, when I was younger, I used to think music was an escape. And then as I've gotten older, music is no longer escape. It it exposes you exactly who you are. There's no hiding just because you play an instrument. There's no, it's, it's all there. It's out in the open. 
everything that you feel or think about yourself is there if you're choosing to be that vulnerable on stage. Um, I have, yeah, I, I, I equate music. Music is, a. I, I would, I would hope that it's, it's, it's a way of thinking about life, like a philosophical way of thinking about life. It's more than just melodies and, you know, sometimes, I mean, I think that's my, my experience. Even playing, you know, when I was younger, playing at church, you know, you see people's, or you at least feel that the music is doing something to people. Like a visual, you can actually see for those that need proof. <laughs> you know, you know, I think, I mean, there's plenty of scientific studies that we all can research that says that your brain behaves differently when music is being played. I mean, there's all kinds of Alzheimer's and dementia studies that are now using music as a way to sparking people's memories back. Um, so there's plenty, plenty of information out there for people to be informed of the power of music, transformational, no, but I'm also okay with just saying that music is a healing force. I'm okay with saying that because I feel like it's helped me many times in my life. You know, I was thinking about that the other day. I said, you know, music itself was simple when I was a kid. When I was a kid, it was just, wow, I want to learn this cool thing with all these buttons and there's a bamboo reed and I like the smell of the reed and the mouthpiece. It was simple because there was, there weren't, there weren't any goals. Only goal was to like play, get better. It wasn't anything else outside of that. As a matter of fact, I remember as a kid, I wasn't thinking about New York city, which is where I reside in Brooklyn. And I wasn't thinking about California where I went to grad school. And I wasn't thinking about, Washington, D.C., where I went to undergrad. I wasn't thinking about any of these places. I was only thinking about how fun it was to listen to Charlie Parker or whoever I was into at the time. You know, I was I was a kid in the 90s, so hip-hop was going on. Hip-hop. I was listening to all kinds of music, hip-hop, jazz, R&B. And it was just fun just to listen to it, to be engulfed in that world. Not have to think about anything. Not have to think about any bills, nothing. <laughs> nothing. Just playing. Simple. This is the simple life. Mm. Yeah. Not sure that answers your question, but <laughs> I was captivated, so <laughs> okay. but I was thinking too, because like for me, like that's why I wanted to perform and as well as like that freedom mm-hmm. and that it was just fun. And then you said the right. goals. And I thought about that too. There was a point where the goals started getting in the way of the fun. And like, I lost mm-hmm. the sense of it. I was curious if, if that happens with you or has happened with you. I mean, it's definitely happened. I think, you know, once there was a point where, you know, junior year of high school going into senior year okay i guess we're doing this we're going to school for music we're going to college for music and in my family and my intermediate family 
and even for the most part, my extended family, nobody had went to school for music. And so I was like, okay, well, what does this process look like? Okay, there's an audition tape. What is that about? And this is at a time when people were still accepting tapes. For those who like to group me in with the millennials, man, I don't really... <laughs> I, feel like millennial, I feel like millennial is a term that you grew up with a computer in your household, and I was born in 83. Although my dad did work for IBM. But anyways, briefly. So you get to this point where you're now you're in school in college for music. And I didn't really, I guess when I was a kid, I didn't really, I mean, there were all, there was all County band. I made it an all County band and these kind of things, but there wasn't really competitive vibes in Buffalo. Buffalo is pretty, a pretty warm city for the most part. I'm talking about vibe, the vibe of the people, the vibe of musicians. You know, when you're when you're playing, you're learning. People are supportive of people wanting to learn music. It's not kind of like this uh, dictatorship, you know, mindset of the music dictators of the world. It wasn't that vibe. If you can groove, the people will be with you. That's how Buffalo is, you know, and. I always shout out Buffalo because I'm proud of where I'm from. I haven't lived there since I was 19, but I go back ever so often. I still have some family members there, but and I feel like it's a city that needs love and needs a shout out. Um. So then I, I get to college and now it was about placement exams and tests and music theory. And, you know, all of those things are helpful, but then all of those things, and of course, taking regular classes, you know, like anybody, any other student, English, math, a science, you know, um, so on and so forth, and like any other undergraduate program in the United States. But... I was telling a friend of mine the other day that I remember when college was over, at least undergrad, when undergrad was over, there was a sense of relief. And the relief was not, I, 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 I didn't mind going to college. All of, my, all of my uncles and my parents were college educated. But I felt like now I can finally get to what I need to work on as a musician. Because everything I was working on at the time was it was for me being a musician, but it was for, I mean, it was, I'm in college, you know, like you got to know these tunes by next week. You got to know these, this theory, you got it. But it wasn't, it wasn't until school was over with that I began to learn how I study, how I learn, how I process information. See, before that, it was just, a, it was just this, whatever the teacher says. And, and don't get me wrong. I mean, I've, I've, I've had some great teachers in my life. But I learned, I learned more when I started to learn on my own. And so I think that, um, and then, yeah, I mean, life, and then life gets in the way. 
I mean, you go to college and it ends up being goals. The goal is to pass the exam. That's the goal initially. I mean, it's a, what is the goal of college? The goal of college is to pass the exam and then get the degree. That's it. That's the only goal. And so everything is geared towards that goal. And then you do that. And then now you're hit with the other kinds of music, you know, the phone bill, the rent, the other kinds of music. You know, there's many kinds of music. <laughs> As if you want to look at it like that, conceptually, you know. Uh, so I think all of those things can be distractions. They're goals, but they end up being distractions, getting you off of what your, your real purpose is. And so, um, you know, when you're a kid, you're really bright-eyed. Oh, I want to make albums. I want to travel the world. You're not really thinking about the work involved in getting to that place. It's not like you wake up one day and you're on a plane. That's not... <laughs> if you, it, that's not what happens. <laughs> and I think people, and I think people fail, to, fail to forget, you know, like... I'm 39 years old. I'll be 40. God willing, I'll be 40 in, in August next year. And the hurdles and the amount of things that I've had to go through, I moved to New York City at 29 years old. I've been in this town 10 years. It's kind of late to some people. You know, but I went to grad school before that. I moved here from California. And I just took a, I just took a, I don't know if it was a taking a chance on myself or just going for it. I just went for it. I said, well, you know, move to New York, see what happens. So I moved to New York. Of course, I was doing stuff before I moved to New York. You know, I had a lot of good things going on before I moved to New York. But, but moving to New York helped in many ways, you know. Um, so, yeah, I think goals can be goals without knowing every little step of the way. Um, my mom used to call that pie in the sky, you know. Oh, you had this pie in the sky type of mindset. I used to get mad when I was younger. I used to get mad at her saying that. But what she was trying to tell me was, you need to start focusing on the details on how to get to that thing that you want. It's okay to dream and have goals to understand the obstacles that are distractions, the different things that are come to your table, you know? So... Yeah. Yeah. Was uh, was California to move to California? Was that kind of a shock to go from Buffalo to? Because I moved to, from Chicago. <laughs> Actually, I moved to California from New York, Chicago, New York, here, and it was like it's a whole different world. Was that like the first time you were out as a kid, out in the world, so to speak? No. That wasn't my first time. Um, I actually moved from, from Colorado to California. My dad was living in Colorado. Um, 
So after Howard, I spent a year at a state school, Buffalo State, and I transferred to Howard. Then from Howard, I went to Colorado, spent two and a half years out there. Um, then I went to California. Um, and I had an uncle out in California. Um, no, it wasn't really a shock. Um, you know, I had traveled a little bit as a kid. You know, my grandparents or my mom. Not to California, even though I have an uncle out there. Um, the only thing that shocked me about California, I guess Colorado prepared me for California because Colorado's got mountains. <laughs> it's, got, it's got a lot of land. It's like the starter you know? kit. <laughs> yeah, I mean, because I don't really feel like... Once I got, the only thing that shocked me about California was bumper to bumper at 70, going bumper to bumper at 70, 70 degrees, 70 miles per hour. <laughs> you know, and that's, and that's like, that, that, that was kind of trippy. You know, I said, wow, like, okay, it's bumper to bumper and they're going 70 bumper to bumper. Hope I don't get in an accident. You know, that's the only thing I was thinking about. You know, but, but also, you know, the gig time, you know, how long I had to take you know, how long it would take me to get to a gig. I was like, wow. So, but California was cool. Yeah. I mean, it was cool. Los Angeles was, it was hard to find live jazz for a while. When I first moved here, it was like, it was like small pockets. It's definitely flourished in the last decade or so. I don't know. Right. How- when did you move there? Two thousand one. Okay, and oh, you moved there two thousand one. Yeah, it didn't really. I was there from two thousand eight to two thousand and twelve, and I think the Blue Well had just opened up in like two thousand and nine. Yeah, and by then I was already. I mean, I had a few elders who had already told me I should leave, <laughs> especially for the kind of music I was trying to do. Yeah. You know, which is like more on the fringes and creative. and Yeah, so. But, uh, but it's opened up a lot, actually. Yeah. A lot of people are moving out. A lot of people are moving out there. Yeah, Phil. Reynolds. But it's interesting because it's it's, it's more expensive. It's it's no, it's not any less expensive than New York City. Yeah, in two thousand one, it was a lot. It was cheap, and I had like I was, and then it just I just remember one day. It literally was like one day there was like all these articles. It's like the rent is this much, and I was like, when when did that happen? <laughs> like, right. This is why I left New York. Right. But and I remember like there was a night I went to I don't know if you remember the the Ramada Inn on Vermont there was a jazz night down there and it was like incredible and it was put together by this dude who ran the bar but he was also a jazz musician and it was like this incredible and like it was all studio musicians and guys who had played with like a bunch of the old biggies Mm -hmm. it was like two people there and I was like if this was in Chicago New York this place would be fucking out of control <laughs> right it, it, it broke my heart right yeah i mean that's but, but that's i mean that's how it is sometimes 
I play shows like that. In New York? Yeah. Oh, that's heartbreaking too. For sure. I mean, you know, I approach it with it. I mean, I approach it with it as best I can, a decent attitude. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, sometimes those shows are great too. Like sometimes that can be one of the yeah, best nights. I mean, you know what? And sometimes it's like, you never know who's in the audience. Somebody could be there. You could give your best. And the next thing you know, you're overseas because that person knew a person who ran a festival and, you know, all it takes is one person to, to be touched. You know, so. That happens sometimes. Yeah. What is one of the things that was that has been written about you is that, and I, I wonder if you could elaborate on it. They they say like you're holding tradition while finding new pathways. And is there within the jazz world? Is there? Do you have to balance that, or does it, like I? I don't know if I'm. I've been because I've had conversations with musicians where some are sort of like, oh, well, some jazz is some jazz has gotten too cerebral and too academic and I don't know is there like a balancing act that has to go on with that or I'm sorry if I'm not articulating that as well as I wish I could be (laughs) um no I know what you I know what you mean by thank you what you're saying um you know to be honest I've I and I've heard this discussion and I've I saw these things written and um I don't know. I think uh, I think I'm just trying to make the music that is true to to what I would like to hear. You know, like 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 I hope I'm contributing to the conversation. So on any day of the week, you could find me listening to. Frank Lowe or Frank Wright one week. The next week, I might be listening to Teddy Edwards. The next week, I could be listening to Bill Barron. Like right now, I've been listening to, for the last few months, listening to Ahmad Jamal Trio. If, If anything, I hope that they're mainly talking about the fact that they can tell that even though he's doing his own thing, that we, whoever the we is, (laughs) um, can tell that he's been listening, that he listens to the tradition, which I do. You know, I spend a lot of time listening. Um, So I don't know if it's a balancing act because I'm pretty determined to be myself. You know, but but there's a, there's a lot. I mean, you could listen to Ahmad Jamal Trio and hear the whole history of the music on one album. Just how they play, how they interact with each other, the breaks. It's like perfect. It's like a 
It's crazy. But then, you know, I could say that about, I mean, I just love music. If it's killing, it's killing. That's it. <laughs> That's it. That's, you know, if it's killing, it's killing. If you're bringing it, I don't care what you're playing. If you're bringing it, you're bringing your soul, you're bringing honesty, love for the music. I just try to be honest. You know, I think... I think I would do the mis- I would I think I would do the music a disservice if I was if I was pretending, you know, like if I was pretending to like the music. I think people could. I think <laughs> somehow or another there is. It feels as though we as a society has has decided that we no longer can feel. if someone means what they say they mean. Somehow we're, we're, we've lost that. I don't know if it's like social media or if it's like we're just becoming desensitized to the full spectrum of human emotion and the fact that, you know, energy, like you can feel someone's energy. That's not that's not no um, fortune teller vibes. Or, <laughs> you know, like that's... You can feel someone's energy. You know, I mean, that's proven. It's not. You don't have to be religious. You know, all these things that people like to throw out. As soon as you, as soon as someone hears the word energy, oh, you know, it's like no, like you can feel someone's vibration. You know, if someone says, "Oh, this person feels a little off," and then they go do some heinous crime or something. Well, you felt that this person was a little off. You know, um, well, what did you feel? You felt the vibration. You felt the aura, you know, this, this thing. So, so I don't know. I just think that I'm just trying to play the music. Like that's honest. I mean, that's the only way I can answer that. I don't know. I mean, I'm not right. I'm not right. And stuff, but I think that, uh, I just try to make the music that sounds honest to me and that makes it sound hip to me. And, uh, and people enjoy it. I'm thankful. And even if they don't enjoy it, I'm thankful. Because art is all answers. That's another thing that we can <laughs> like, like, you know, like what happened? Whatever happened to like real like critical discourse? What what happened to that? What happened to like like if somebody was dogging something, they were dogging it was real. They weren't dogging it to be malicious. You know yeah. what I mean? They were dogging it to like like you might read something, and be like, "Wow, man, this person, this person is on point." Wow, I mean, I mean, the dog in the hell out of me, but they're doing it articulate, and, and they brought up some good points. It, it's true. Like what, like, what happened to like a good argument or a good debate? I mean, what, 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 what? It, it, everything is everything can't be liked. Every all things aren't. You know, it's crazy. I mean. Uh, but I will say this, in as much as <laughs> when people when people have nice things to say about me, I say thank you. I keep it moving because <laughs> the bad will come. The bad is revved up every day, waiting. <laughs> They're waiting. That's life. Yeah. Yeah. It's interesting you were saying because I grew up in a community like the theater I mentioned. I grew up, I was there around high school, and 
discussing art of all forms and giving your opinion was like a welcome thing. And we had endless, sometimes heated, but debates. And now I find if I give my opinion, especially in Los Angeles, man, <laughs> especially like if you're like that movie, like, cause I personally find the state of our film, it's pretty brutal. <laughs> all right. And I don't, I, I just, uh, for me, it doesn't speak and I'm, but you can't, you can't say it. Like, people are, like, get so offended if you don't like a fucking Marvel movie. I'm like, sorry, man, I don't like them. <laughs> but it's like a personal you, offense. Yeah, but and you have every right. I mean, that's, you know, I, I just personally, I don't understand it anymore. I just kind of just, like, when I, I'm dealing with people, I'm just like, um, yeah, I don't understand it. I really don't. <laughs> How do you, because you said if someone says something kind to you about your music, and that's the other thing. I do feel like some people do give their, like from other musician friends where the people at like the merch table will be like, hey, like you've really like, it's not as good as it used to be. Like, it's like, sometimes it's, there's a rudeness. <laughs> it's like, or, you know, you got to have a little social grace with it too. But it seems like people f- also feel empowered to give their negative views more than ever. Yeah, I mean, I think... Yeah, they'll give their negative views, but it won't be public. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Do you, you do you take those things with a grain of salt or do you, because like I've been in shows that have been reviewed and I was like, you know what? They, they were right. Like sometimes you, I would sit there and be like, I can't argue that man. I can't, you know, do you, to be honest, to be honest, I could care less. I could care less. I don't, I don't think about it. It doesn't help me get better as a musician. Good reviews don't help me get better as a musician. So I don't think about it. Right. I mean, I, my dad always used to tell me, at least you're in the conversation. They could not be talking about you at all. <laughs> That's great advice. It's the truth. Yeah. You know, it's the truth. I don't, I'm sorry, but if, you know, if you want to create music in a show and for yourself, cool. But once you say you're an artist and you make a play or you make a piece of work and it's out here in the world, that's it. It's up for grabs. That's the vulnerability of it. It's up for grabs. So... And you have to be prepared for if people accept it or not accept it. There are so many albums that, that people are championing now of jazz greats that when the jazz great put that album out, when it first came out, nobody was thinking about it. Like you said earlier, there was a couple musicians that I talked to not too long ago, said they saw a train. Nobody was in the audience. That's hard to, that's hard to believe. That happened. Nobody in the audience for Coltrane? People can't even fathom that. People can't even fathom that. People can't even fathom that. You know? Yeah. But, so I don't, 
honestly, I honestly don't. I honestly don't sit around thinking about bad reviews and good reviews. Because as long as you pouring yourself, pouring your heart out, I mean, I think about these last couple of years. I mean, I'm confident that every album that I put out is a good album. Not because somebody wrote about it. It was because I thought it was good. And I don't mean good from like, I've arrived. I mean, I put my best foot forward, period. Did I like everything I played? Probably not. But I knew I put my best foot forward. So anybody writing about it, they didn't write the music. They didn't practice the song. I appreciate them writing about it. That's cool. But but I owe it to myself. You know, like, a lot of blood, sweat, and tears goes into when people make these albums. That's the thing about it. When musicians, I, and I understand when musicians get pissed at, at people who write about music. Because, yo, we're putting our lives on the line. This stuff is not easy. And I'll tell you this much. I'm not no prodigy. I'm not no genius. I know how to work hard from Buffalo. Buffalo produces some hard workers. You know, you try making music. 6 a.m. is three, four feet of snow outside. Yeah, let's, let's see what you come up with. You know, that's a, that's a hard-working town, you know? Yeah. My mom was a, my mom was a school teacher. I watched her every day. We had to get up early, shovel, shovel her out, make sure she got to school, make sure we got to school. So I'm not... Come on, man. I'm from Buffalo, man. Don't nobody, <laughs> don't nobody care about people from Buffalo. It's a facts, you know. That's why I'm always shouting out my hometown. That's why, that's why right now, you know, with our team doing well, and we also got one of the, the best hip hop groups in the in the land with Griselda. I haven't even followed hip hop, but I know who they are because they're from Buffalo. So I'm just saying, it's like it's it's it, it's 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 interesting to me. You know, if you if you. If you want to care about every little thing that everybody has to say about you, well, you might as well just pack it up. And I'll tell you this much. I'm not interested in playing music. I don't follow the mantra, there's nothing new under the sun. I don't, I've never followed that. I've always believed I could go over the sun. I'm, I don't have limits on my thinking. When I pull the horn out the case, I'm not thinking about what has already been done. I'm thinking about what hasn't been done because that's where the curiosity is. And when I say what hasn't been done, it, it it's not insinuating that I know everything that's been done. See, I didn't say that. I said, I'm trying in my own being and mind to figure out what I haven't done. And there's got to be something else left out there why do I want to cure, kill my curiosity like approaching my instrument like it's already been done? No, it hasn't. There's a lot of things that keep me going that I can't do on the instrument itself. A lot. It's a bunch of stuff I can't do. I'm, I'm, and I'm, I'm, I'm good within the confines of the, of the vocabulary that I practice, which is my own, but, you know, because I'm a composer too, so I use the compositions as a means, compositions are etudes. 
as a means to teach myself how to do certain things on the instrument. Really, you know, hey, everybody's got a everybody's got a critique. Everybody, you know, as long as you don't let it affect your self esteem, you'll be all right in the world. I was gonna say, I was glad that you said that about the that expression where people are like, "It's all been done." That's always. Especially recently, it's something I've been pondering because I'm like, that is just such a <laughs> limiting way to, like like you said, curiosity, which is the best way of putting it. Why limit your curiosity? Yeah, I mean, I don't, I don't, I just don't understand it. You know, I think, um, it, it was funny. I had, it's funny, I actually had one of those thoughts years ago. And I was thinking about the direction of my fingers on my home. The direction. Is it up or down? There's only two ways. And when I started to do that, I got really depressed. Because I was like, wow, man, that's, that's a very limiting. It's a very limiting thought process. And even though that might be true from a physicality standpoint, right? You're either going up or down on a size. Um... From a conceptual standpoint, that's not true. Because if my in my mind, if I'm thinking about circles, and then I'm building lines that sound like circular patterns sonically, then those patterns aren't going up and down. But I had to, but I had to free myself from that thinking by thinking that other thing. Because at first I was like, "Wow, this is." Mm-hmm. You know, I was like getting, I was like, this was years ago, but it was, it was a very profound thought because I got, had gotten pretty depressed. So, wow, man, this, this, this instrument, wow. But then thinking about other things, and that's been, that's been very fascinating with me over the years is, you know, whether I'm reading, you know, or checking out different science people and philosophers and it helps my music because it helps me think about things in conceptual ways you know making correlations between things and the use of metaphor and you know like that's freed my playing tremendously where before if I was only thinking in a very kind of it's already been done in very linear kind of and I, I would probably, I don't know, I don't, I don't even know if I'd be in music anymore, to be honest, if I continue to think like that. I can't think like that. I don't want to think like that. I don't want to think like it's already been done. And, and, and the, nothing, the nothing new under the sun people, they can get away from me. Or <laughs> I don't even do it. You know. It's like it's like telling a, it's like telling a it's like telling an infant who just started walking. Stop getting excited. You know how long we've been walking. <laughs> That's how people are. Yeah. Oh, you started to walk. Why are you getting excited about that? It's the same thing. It's kind of it's kind of a poor way to exist. When you, when you perform, because you were talking about like the circles, and I was wondering, like, when you are playing, 
is there visuals that go on? Is it sort of, do you, I don't know. I've like, I've heard this other musicians, like, like with, uh, your new song, uh, the blue still, blue, the blue still blossom. You said you were imagining miles of blue fields. And I was like curious yeah. if, if that's how you approach all music. Well, you know what? Um, every album is different. I think that statement, literally, I was thinking about Miles of Blue Fields. Just because I wanted to imagine a composition that was a blues that literally sounded like it was floating. Like, and you have this kind of call in the beginning, like, it's like, you know, it's almost like a wedding march, you know, in the beginning, like something's about to happen, you know, at the wedding, you know, different interval, but, and yeah, there was a visual when I was, when I was making that music, it's not visuals with every other, every, all music, but that, you know, just a bunch of them. Beautiful blue flowers. And how do I convey that? How do I make the music sound like it's lifted as opposed to like this rigid, rigidity, you know, where you know what's coming? You know, like you actually don't know what's coming. But I broke up the composition to where it's like speech like phrases. So I'm going, and I'm improvising and improvising, and the bass um, or cellist is improvising. And then there's about, I want to say three or four phrases. So yeah, that's like eight phrases. Eight, eight speech-like fragments, right? So... It's just a different way to, to to position a composition where it isn't like so. Because I could have I could have went biddy 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 it wouldn't have been the same effect. Because I elongate it, you know, elongate the phrases almost like I'm talking. Biddy 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 you know and so getting that visual is also about space you know because then when you think about a field and you relate to a field and the blue still blossoms and all this kind of thing it's like you know it gives you a sense of space spatial you know the wind blowing you know the grass or whatever you know whatever it is just adds, you know, I think the visual component is very important to the music creation process as well. But that's something new, you know, like every, but every album has a different creative process. I think this was the first album where I where I literally got a sense of blue, you know, and how do I convey, how do I con- convey You know, yeah, the flowers, the blues, the blues as a music, the blues as a color. You know, it's just it's just nice little play on things, but 
Yeah. Um, I don't get visuals all the time, but every now and then they pop up and I embrace it. It's a great song. I'm, I, I was also curious how, uh, this song came about with the myth. I'm now my tongue stopped working. Mesthetics. <laughs> it like cramped or something. <laughs> no, it's all good. It's all good. I was, when I saw, uh, saw that song come out, I was excited and blown away. Cause I, I love them. And I, Brandon Canty has been on the show and I, I've just, uh, I've nothing yeah, but admiration. I love him. He's incredible. I love them. But I was, I was so excited. I sent, I started sending the song to friends. Like you got to fucking hear this. <laughs> yes. Cause a lot of my friends are Fugazi fans and jazz fans. So I was like, you're not going to believe this. Wow. Um, well, first, um, me and, uh, the car, the guitarist and I, Anthony Pirog, we've been working together for years. I mean, I've, um, dating back to like, I want to say 2014, um, we've been playing together. He's worked with me and my trio and, um, we also used to have a project together, um, uh, the Unruly Manifesto, a band that I put together with him, Jamie Branch, um, a few other people. And so over the years, unbeknownst to a lot of people, we've been working together for at least, I want to say at least three years, four years. But COVID messed, messed up the timing of everything. You know, so... I had played winter jazz with the aesthetics and we did like two other shows. We did two shows at the bell house. And then most recently we played at blues alley together and, um, they had happened. They, they had happened to be in town and I was going back and forth with auntie about <laughs> them wanting, um, um, them wanting, uh, um, a single couple and a couple singles from me. And I was like, okay, cool. You know? Um, and so it was, it was recommended, you know, they asked me if I knew the aesthetics. I was like, yeah, I know the aesthetics. Okay. That's not a problem. You know? Um, so I called up Anthony and they had <clears throat> happened to be in town. We just made it happen in the song fair, not itself. I mean, I had wrote, I had wrote that song years ago. I, matter of fact, Anthony had played it with me. And another iteration of, of, of my trio uh, years ago, like maybe 2000. I might have wrote that tune in 2016, 17, but, but I never recorded it. It was just in a book. But those, um, those are some great cats, man. And we, we got some plans in the works. Um, you know, we, uh, we got some heat coming. That's all I'm going to say. <laughs> We got some serious, we got some serious heat coming. And, uh, and since you cool with Brenda, you know, you can send him a note and ask him, what is James talking about? Y'all got some heat coming. <laughs> they're, they're playing here in February. So I'm going to, I, oh, yeah. I was supposed to go see them the last time, but I can't remember what happened, but I'm going to try to catch him. Uh, but yeah, I didn't know if that was cause I, you'd lived in DC for a while. So I thought maybe that was what that connection was about. Oh, no, nah, I didn't even know Anthony when I was in D.C. Um, yeah. 
Yeah, because you played, and you played, did you, you played together the other night. Was that the whole set you played with them? Yeah, I played the whole set with them, yeah. And was it there? Yeah, we played. Was it a mix of, like, your stuff and their stuff, or what was? That's, yeah, this yeah, is, it was all. Oh, was, I was just going to no, say, this no. is just me being selfish <laughs> and asking. No, uh, no, 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 I get it. Because <laughs> I was like, uh, no, it was, I wanted to be there. <laughs> no, it was all, it was all new music. It was my, it was, it was, it was, it was, uh, my piece. It was everybody. Everybody had composed some pieces. Yeah. So. Is there, can you say, is there more with them on the album or you can't say? The upcoming album. Oh no, on the, on the album. No, 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 I can't, I can't say that, but, um, no, it's just that one. It's just that one song. Right. Is it, but it's more stuff on the horizon though, for sure. (laughs) <laughs> that's awesome and uh the uh I've, I've i've only heard the three songs that have been released from the album but they're incredible and i've obviously i've listened to all your music otherwise i wouldn't be talking to you <laughs> it would be rude I've, it would be rude I, for starters <laughs> i appreciate that <laughs> but i you know there's there's those songs and musicians you hear and you know that where they where you stop and you go oh my gosh what is this and right. you know that was when I heard first heard you I stopped and I was like okay I gotta this I gotta dig in and f- go all in with this and I, it's wow I just I, and I I cannot thank you enough for your time and to be thank you and I don't know if this sounds corny or whatever but like I feel like you elevated me like. It was great to talk to you. I feel like an elevated and better human being for it. And I know that oh. might sound corny, but I no, it's all good. <laughs> it's all good. But I thank you so much. And, and I'll be quite honest with you, James. There was a couple times where I was like, I don't know if I'm smart enough to hang in here. <laughs> oh no, no, it's all good. It's all good. Uh, uh, you know, I'm I'm used to talking to those like Brandon. Oh, no, you know. It's all, it's all good. But, He's a funny those, dude, man. He's those 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 cats know a lot, man. Joe Joe hit me up to some amazing books recently, man. So everybody knows something. We all got something to offer in this life, you know. Yeah. What may I ask? What to you know? Because somebody told me I should ask this question because I mentioned the theater that I worked at earlier, and that in our conversations there was always three things that came up. What movies have you seen? What books are you reading? And uh, and what are you listening to? Those were and those were like always the, the things that we talked about if we bumped into right. somebody. Somebody was like, "Oh, you should end every episode with that," and I was like, "That's that's corny." But right. you mentioned books, so I'm curious what what do you what have you been reading and what do you tend to like to read? Because I'm a searching because oh, I'm, I'm searching. I'm such a nerd right now. I, I feel so embarrassed. <laughs> I'm not an anti-music person, but right now I'm, <laughs> I'm reading German music theory in the early 19th century, 17th century. Oh, that see, that's interesting. <laughs> yeah, it's a basically uh, it's about a guy who who thought the triad, meaning three notes, was like the most important most important chord but so me and then i'm reading a book on metaphor um what i'm listening to a jamal trio anything a jamal trio 
That's, I'm not good with names. He's uh, and first of all, he's a fellow Chicagoan, so I have a natural love for him. But of course, I discovered him around the time my my wife and I met, and so there's an extra sort of, and that's what I was like upset. So he's he's been in rotation our entire ten years together because it's. But man, yeah, he's so. He's just, I mean, yeah, I just it's 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 odd to you know, to be a musician and I've been playing music for a long time and since I was nine and and you think you've heard every recording and then one day someone says, oh, did you check out this? Like, now how did I miss that? And then I end up getting upset with myself for missing out on something I could have heard when I was in my 20s. Yeah, <laughs> that's the beauty of, that's why I love music is there's always going to be something to discover, whether it's literally a hundred years old or if it came out a day ago like and exactly. even like especially with jazz i'm like uh, you know that's the bulk of the records i buy are jazz like that's that's what's right. on in my house 95 percent of the time and it's right. like but there's always always and you're same thing where i'm like how did i miss this like how, how did, did i miss it how did i get out of my scope and the you only know, reason, but, like, I bought Ahmad Jamal is, I like, it, I had a vague recognition of the name. I was in a record store, and I'm like, I'm just like, I'm going to buy this, which is often. Right. And and then, of course, I went and obsessively see, see, searched for <laughs> as much as, all of it, like, as much as I could find. Same with Chico, Ham- right. Chico Hamilton was the same way. I was like, how did I miss this dude? Right, exactly. Um. Do you like Chico? Chico Hamilton? Yeah. Yeah, for sure. I know somebody who... Um, yeah, he lived forever. That was, that was their, their mentor, one of my drummer friends. Wow. Um, yeah. I haven't listened to him extensively, but yeah, for sure, I do like him. Did you... How... Was it crazy for Sonny Rollins? Like, I mean, Sonny, to, for Sonny Rollins to... He said some pretty intense things about you. Like, like you're listening to the Buddha or something like that. <laughs> yeah, it was, uh, it was pretty, you know, the thing about Sonny, I mean, what's beautiful about Sonny Rollins is that unbeknownst to a lot of people, um, this cat, this cat has been looking out for me in, in different ways since 2014. You know, he said things about me in articles. He was, you know, he was made aware of, of my music. And, um, he didn't want to talk about himself. When I interviewed him, he didn't want to talk about, so I was just kind of like a little overwhelmed that he wanted to talk. <laughs> I'm like, man, you have your legacy, like could fill up buildings, you know, like, I don't have much to offer, but, but it was cool. You know, the horn is always on zero. If only the horn remembered accolades. (laughs) (laughs) But it doesn't. That is. uh, (laughs) Have you been, how long have you been playing the same horn? Oh man, 20 uh, about 20 years 
because I talked to almost, almost 21 years in January. It'll be 21 years on the same one. I wish I could remember who I was talking to, but they were talking about their relationship with their instrument. And it was like, I, it's something people can't understand. Like I, I don't under, like it's an intimate spiritual, emotional connection. No, it is, but it's more like a understanding. Okay. This is my connection with it. The sound of it. I can hear my sound without the horn. Right. But the horn activates the sound I'm hearing in my head. Right. So, but in, 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 in strictly layman's terms, the horn is like a car. Every six months, you got to get maintenance or you're going to be driving yourself insane. <laughs> For real. Because, I mean, the thing about it is that it's not. The thing with music that people, people have to get a grasp on is that the reason why musicians have to practice so much is to maintain. I mean, it, it's not just there. It's not, it's not a job where, you know, it's not like a, it's not like a service job or a job where you're like, you're doing something is to set way every day and your mind can be on autopilot. That's not how music is. Music is always in flux because your body is always changing, your mind is always changing, your ideas are always changing, everything's always evolving. And so you have to maintain it, you know, and depending on which instrument, every instrument requires different levels of attention. You know, uh, you would never tell a trumpet player to take a week off or two weeks off. Why? Because these muscles right here get out of line. That's all lip. They have to constantly be reinforcing their lips on a mouthpiece because this is where the buzzing happens. You know, saxophone, okay, maybe a little bit more, maybe a lot less lenient than the trumpet, but it has its own peculiarities too. Um, so that that's the thing. I mean, I think for me, the spiritual side of it would be, you know, supposedly, supposedly Charlie Parker, from what I've been told, I, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not, I never, I never met him. wasn't alive, you know, when he was alive. But so I've been told is that he could play and get his sound on any instrument, on any alto. He could get his sound on any alto and any with any mouthpiece. Didn't matter. So I think that that the spiritualness in it, in that is. He obviously was so in tune with his sound and not the mechanism, but what he knew he sounded like. That's now that is deep. To know what you, he must have, I'm just guessing, right? He must have knew his sound so well that no matter the device, he could play any one of them because he, had already had it up here. You know, if you don't have a, if you don't have a concept of sound of how you think you sound without the instrument, then yeah, it's a long. It's gonna be a long road. <laughs> it's gonna be a long road. Cause no, cause half of the battle when you're young, especially like when I give advice to young kids, 
They don't want to do it, but it's long tones. You got to put them long tones and you got to do long tones. You got to get comfortable with just blowing a note for hours so you can hear the sound. And that's what I encourage people to do. Do long tones. Think about your oral cavity. Think about a vowel sound. Like what kind of vowel sound do you, do you think you want to have you know, within your oral cavity? I mean, it's a, lot, it's a lot to think about. Do visualization exercises. You know, are you thinking about, how are you thinking about your sound? You know, conceptually, are you even thinking about how you would like the instrument to sound? And let's go with that. Because the mechanism itself is not the sound necessarily. It's a sound. It's not the sound. You know? Like, it's not, like, you don't pick up and then immediately, like, you have a sound on the sax. No, like you're blowing a sound, but you don't have the sound, you know, like you don't have your sound, you know, like you just, you're just, it's really like, a, yeah, it's like, if it's like me pressing the key on a keyboard. I press a key on a keyboard. I'm not, a, I'm not a keyboardist, <laughs> you know, if I just press a button, the, the device itself is making, I mean, that's what's difficult about instruments is that, about acoustic instruments specifically, that there's some work to be done to get a sound out of the instrument, you know, which takes time. I mean, yeah, anyways. Was there like a moment yeah. for you when you were like, okay, like when you're studying and learning where you're like, all right, I got my sound or I'm getting there? Is that like, is, I don't mean, like, you know, as a writer, one day I was just like at more comfortable with it than I was before. Like, you know, you're not like thinking about it as much as you were yeah. used to. Um, oh yeah. I mean, I definitely, I've, I've had moments of that. Um, my sound, my sound has been more consistent. It, it depends. You know, I think, um, I can once I once I knew I had a decent sound on saxophone, it was more enjoyable to practice. That's half of the battle with a young person learning. When a young person is learning an instrument, is getting getting over. They have to first get over sounding really bad before they you know before they start feeling comfortable. And that's, if they can get over that hump, then you're on to something, you know, like, but the first few years, it's going to be rough trying to get a good sound. <laughs> yeah, I'm laughing because I'm like thinking of my own life of like just falling on my face in front of people. Thank you very much. All right. Thank you.